Welcome to the LDS Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Williams. This is the first segment of the updated episode where we talk to Carl about his conversion story, his dramatic experience, his radio career in the sounds of Sunday. Also in there, we talk about how he met his wife, Linda. So this is the first segment where he talks about his conversion story. How are you, Carl? Oh, doing fine. Good. And <clears throat> you have a pretty unique program. I actually found out about you accidentally. I was searching for a radio station at a Burley KZDX, I believe. Yeah. Or, yeah. That's all 100. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was the sounds of Sunday that came up in my search. And I found out, oh, that's because KZDX broadcasted. And then I got sidetracked and looked at that. It's amazing how far you can go down a rabbit hole when you're searching for another topic, isn't it? Well, you can get sidetracked, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Although I think in this case, it was a good thing. But uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your childhood and your conversion story? We'll start there. Well, my conversion story, uh, when I was uh, probably about... uh, I don't know, nine years old, I suspect, maybe eight. I was uh, uh, playing with my friend Ronnie on the sidewalk in a wagon. And at that time, it was like a Saturday morning, I think. This man was walking down the, uh, down the sidewalk, and he came up to us, and he said, Hi, boys. How would you like to go to Sunday school tomorrow? I said, Oh, yeah, that would be fun. And my friend Ronnie agreed, says, we'll go talk to your moms and see if it's okay, get permission. So we went and talked to our mothers and they were both okay with it. So the next morning, this man, I think his name was Gantner. He came by and he picked us up in his car and took us to a Sunday school meeting at a non-denominational Christian church in Southgate, which was really close to Linwood where I grew up, Los Angeles County. And it was on Tweedy Boulevard, as I recall. So we went there, and uh, I don't think I'd been to church before. I'd heard of it or whatever. I can't remember what I thought of it. And I'm not sure if Ronnie had either. And so we went there, but and they gave us a deal. They said, if you come here, we'll give you three merits, which is like paper money, like Monopoly money. And when you get a certain number of merits, you can buy something in the chest in the corner over here. So I went and looked in the corner, and there was all these little things you could buy with your merits. And they were different amounts of uh, merits that you'd need for the purchase of whatever item, whichever item. And the one that attracted me was the, the cross that glowed in the dark. Now, it was a white plastic claw, uh, cross, uh, like a Christian cross. And you'd hold it under a light, and it would... Uh, it would get the energy from the light. When the light turned off, you could see the cross glowing in the dark, like a green color. I don't know if you remember that uh, type of um, uh, plastic that would uh, illuminate in the dark like that, but that's what this was. And to me, I was fascinated by it. Not so much because it was a Christian cross, but because it was a a cross that would glow in the dark. (laughs) It it got my imagination. I love things like that, kind of scientific, if you will. So anyway, I kept going. Ronnie didn't go very long, but I kept going week after week until 
I got enough merits to buy the cross that glowed in the dark. I suspect I went at probably about six weeks, maybe two months or something like that. Oh, okay. And I remember going to Sunday school and this, this teenage girl was teaching it who seemed like an adult to me because I was so young. I think she was probably 19 or so. And I remember the Christian lessons that she would teach. And one was about Miss Telelie. Now, Miss Telelie said she would clean the house, but she didn't really clean it. She would uh, sweep the dust under the rug and not pick it up with a dustpan. Isn't it funny how I remember that lesson all these years? Yeah. And I thought, well, you got to do what you say you're going to do. And you can't tell a lie. You can't say I picked up the dust when he actually just swept it under the rug. So that was the moral of the story. So anyway, I kept going to this, these classes. And uh, eventually, Mr. Gentner and his wife paid a visit to our house. And he came by and my mom was there. And we're so excited about Carl. He's done such a great job coming to Sunday school. We've decided to give him his own Bible. So they brought me a Bible. And they signed the page on it, uh, Gettner's or something like that. Uh, and I was so proud to have my own Bible, which I'd never had before. So that's kind of my start in religion. As we continue on, about, I don't know, a month or two later, a kid from my ward, uh, LDS ward in Linwood, lived around the corner from me, came to my house and said, how would you like to go to primary, Carl? What's primary? Oh, the kids just meet together and we have a good time. On, now, this I was on remember. a weeknight, correct? Yeah, it was on a Thursday afternoon. Yeah, for, the, for those of you that don't know, uh, yeah. before the three-hour block, and when was <laughs> it? March of 1980 is when they went to three hours, wasn't it? Yeah, I suspect. I know it, it got incorporated in the Sunday meetings. Yeah, but so, it used it used to be on uh, who knows when primary would be. I used to well, think I think it was, primary the yeah. way I understand it, primary was on a weeknight, and then you had Sunday school Sunday morning, and then sacrament Sunday evening. At least that's how it was in Utah. Oh yeah, yeah. Before the block, there was all kinds of different schedules yeah. for meetings. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I carry on. So anyway, I I said okay, I'll go to primary with you, and we went to uh, I went to primary with um, with Bill. Bill Pickett was his name. And his mother drove us there, and it was at that time meeting in the back of a theater on Long Beach Boulevard. We had no LDS church in Linwood at that time. And so this is the best they could do. They, they met together in the back of a theater. It was like uh, for doing plays and stuff like that. So there was a stage there. And Bill's mother was the choir director or the core. I don't know. She'd teach the, she'd, she'd lead us with the primary songs. And we'd sit in the seats out there in the theater. And I just remember her feet were about my, uh, about the same height as my eyes in the seat, or maybe a little higher. And I remember looking up at her, and the only thing I noticed was she wore open toed sandals. Oh. And while she was directing the music, her big toe would go up and down to the beat of the song. <laughs> wow. Isn't that funny? I'd remember yeah. that. I can't remember any of the lessons really that were taught, but, uh, uh, you know, at nine years old, what do you remember? So a short time later, I don't know, probably in 1955, let's see, I was turning 10 years old in 55 or no, I was turning 11 years old. So I was 10 at the time. September, I would have been 11 years old. Okay. So we, uh, the, the LDS church built a church house in Linwood. And so we had a church right there across from the high school uh, in the neighborhoods back there in Linwood. 
And uh, he said, well, would you like to come to Sunday school with us? Well, I'm already going to Sunday school at this other church. Well, oh, come okay. to our church. And so I thought I was a little conflicted. I thought, well, how do I tell Mr. Gettner, you know, that I'm going to this other church? He probably won't like that very much. And finally, my mother intervened and uh, was talking to Mr. Gettner. He came over and says, well, my family is all Mormon and everything. And maybe it's a good idea that he would go to the Mormon church or something to that effect. And my mother was not active in church. And my dad was not a member. So Mr. Gettner uh, said, okay. And what I did is I started to go to the, his church, Mr. Gettner's church one Sunday and the Mormon church, as I knew it, uh, the, the other Sunday. So yeah. I went back and forth for a couple of weeks thinking maybe that would take care of it. And then one day, a lady in the back of the foyer of our chapel, I'm just standing in the back of the foyer. It's at the rear of the chapel. And she says to me, and I told, she asked me what the problem was, and I told her. And I says, well, she said, you know, they can't all be true. There can only be one true church. And I'd never really thought about that before. Thought they were all churches were good churches. No, there's only one true church that they all teach different things. And I thought about that. It, it stuck with me. And I can't remember, maybe a week or two later, I'm standing in the back of the chapel, pondering that thought. When I looked, turn, I turned around and looked up at the track rack on the wall, which is a wooden rack that holds the tracks at that time. Uh, they were just little pamphlets that you could read about Joseph Smith, which church is true, and so forth. They were like missionary tra tracks. I turned around and glanced up at the rack, pondering, is the Mormon church the true church? And I remember a very warm feeling coming to me, tell me that it was. This is the true church. And uh, that's basically where my testimony began. I don't think I even knew what the Book of Mormon was. I just knew that it was a good feeling in this church. And I knew that Mr. Gentner's church had really good people in there too. They were very friendly and kind to me. So I can't say that that was uh, not the case because it was. I give them credit for that and the love that, they, that I felt from them. But I felt the same thing in the Mormon church, if you will. And I, but the one thing was this was exceptional. This was the true church and all the other churches were not. So that's where it started. That's where my testimony began. And I just continued to go to the, to the LDS church after that. Were there hard and, feelings about with the other guy? that? Would no, I don't the, think so. I think my okay. mother settled it with him. Uh, he felt disappointed and sad or whatever. I think that was about it. And that meeting that she, he came to the house, my mom was there, uh, trying to give him an excuse why Carl wouldn't be going to his church anymore. He felt sad about that. I don't know if they're hard feelings, but uh, that, I didn't see him again after that. I was pretty much done with Mr. Gettner. I never, I don't know what ever became of him. But okay. he, he and his wife are very nice people. So I continued to go to the LDS church, and I was probably turning 10 at that time. And I'm sitting in the back of the chapel. This is probably two years later. I'm sitting in the back of the chapel with my friend Dick Shumway. Uh, Dick Shumway is my age, and we just kind of yak in the back of the chapel at Sunday school. <laughs> you, know, you know, kids yeah. carry on, not necessarily being very reverent. So on Sunday, he said to me, I started to talk to him in the back of the chapel as the meeting was beginning. Shh, you got to be quiet. Your friend Dick said that? Yeah. I said, okay. why do I have to be quiet? 
Because the bishop's watching. The bishop? What's the bishop? Who's the bishop? Oh, he's up there. He's always watching. What? And I started looking around. I thought, where's the bishop? Who's the bishop? Is he, is he hiding in one of those speaker grills up there on the, on the chapel? And they had these decorative uh, grills above the sacrament table and on the opposite side of the chapel, the exit door. There was a grill. looked like a speaker was in it, but it was decorative. I don't think there were speakers in it, but I thought, is he, is he looking out of one of those? Shh, you never know. And then I looked in the back of the chapel and there was the organ and the organ loft had speakers too that had a lattice, uh, like a speaker grill or something in the back decorative. Is he looking out of there? No, you never know. He's always watching. So I had no idea who the bishop was. I just thought I better be quiet or he's going to get me. So I assume that Dick Shemway was much older than you. No, he's my age. Oh, Same age okay. as me. But he knew the protocol. He knew you were supposed to be quiet and reverent in church. And he was teaching it to me, which is uh, fine. It sounds like uh, somebody, this is something somebody would do that was maybe 10, 15 years older than you. Just a nice way no, to get you no, to be quiet. No, he just knew that he had to toe the line. Uh, and, and I don't know, he kind of made, I had any idea who the bishop was. I didn't know he was sitting up on the stand with the other speakers and stuff up there. I, I, he could have been. <laughs> I just didn't know. And so later on, I don't know, maybe a month or two later, I noticed other kids my age and Dick's age were passing sacrament. I thought, ooh. And I says, I asked Dick, I says, Dick, how do you get to, how do you get to pass the bread and the water? Oh, you have to be a deacon. A deacon? Well, I didn't know what a deacon was. I thought it was at a rank in the Boy Scouts or something. I didn't know what it was. He says, how do you get to be a deacon? Oh, you got to talk to the bishop. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> a little stroke of fear went through me. But at that time, I realized I was being pretty good. I wasn't making too much noise back there. So I figured, okay, I'll talk to the bishop. So I went in the lobby after Sunday school. And I said, Where, how do I talk to the bishop? Oh, his office is right there in the cultural hall. It's a door off the cultural hall. So I went in through the, into the cultural hall and the first door was the bishop's office. I knocked on the door and I was invited in. He, he invited me in I, and he was Bishop. Oh, hi. I, I would like to become a deacon. Oh, you would. How old are you? I'm, I'm 12. I says, okay. Uh, and he tries to look up my records. And he can't find me in the records at all, but he finds my mother, who is a member of the church. And I think that's how the pickets ended up getting a hold of me because they saw, um, they they saw Verda Watkins here had a son, uh, and we could ask him to primary, and, and because she was on the word records, but I wasn't. Oh, so okay. anyway, he he doesn't see anything about me being baptized or even a member. And I says, well, before you become a deacon. You've got to be baptized. Oh, okay, sure. How do I do that? And so, well, we'll send the stake missionaries to your house. And she, he gets all the information, my address and everything. 11218 Jackson Avenue, Linwood, California. And the missionaries or the stake missionaries come over, one of which is in our ward, I think, and one's in the Downey Ward or something. And they come over and, and teach me the 13 discussions, as it was at that time, 1958. Oh. And so it turns out <laughs> that Bishop, the Bishop was Bishop Shumway, Dick Shumway's father. 
Oh, wow. That's funny. So he was playing me. It was his dad that was the bishop, and he didn't tell me. <laughs> That's funny. You hot dog, you little pranker, you know. But I thought it was kind of funny. when It was ironic when I found out it was his father that was a bishop. So anyway, they taught me the first uh, 13 discussions, and I was baptized on January 4th, 1958, at the age of 13. And then shortly after that, they made me a deacon. So that's kind of my conversion story, if you will. Uh, okay. I eventually learned about the Book of Mormon. I have a couple questions. Your dad was a non-member. Yes. Did he have a problem with you going to the uh, to church at all? No. They, okay. I don't think he did. I think my grandmother was very strong in the LDS church, and she lived in Long Beach, a little short, about five miles from where we lived in Linwood. And I think they had a deal. He grew up Baptist in Oklahoma, although he oh. wasn't he wasn't active in church at all. Uh, but he was a good man, and my mother grew up as a LDS. And I think they had a deal. When Carl, he can make up his own mind what church he will go to. Let's not try to persuade him either way. In fact, I don't remember my grandmother even saying anything to me until I, met, I, I was baptized. And then she came to my baptism. She was all excited. And she brought me a birthday card. And it was, wow. on the birth, it was a birthday card that says you are born again. <laughs> so it wasn't literally my birthday. It was my baptismal date. So she was excited, and she became a great influence on my life after that. Uh, she's the one that uh, put it in my heart to go on a mission and told me the great things I could accomplish in life. So was, was it? So I assume then when you turned 19 or whatever, whenever it was that you went on a mission, was it a hard decision for you, or did you just go at 19 because that's what we do? Well, it was kind of traditional to go at 19, uh, no, it wasn't a hard decision. I'd made up my mind I want to go on a mission. But I wasn't a really responsible kid. I'd get a job and get fired and because I was goofing off or one thing or another. Finally, the bishop and my parents weren't necessarily excited about me going on a mission in the first place. So it was 21 when I finally went on a mission. And my dad actually spoke in my, my uh, farewell meeting, sacrament meeting. Really? He only, he only spoke for maybe 30 seconds or so. And he said, we will support him and look forward to the time he comes back. And, you know, wow. he knew this is what I wanted to do, and he wasn't opposed to it. He was just hoping I'd get on with college and, you know, become an electrical engineer or something. So that was his most important thing. Uh, he, he didn't dislike the church. He just didn't have any place for it in his life. Yeah. He was, he was a good man. He taught me very good morals. He taught me to respect women and, and to... Uh, tell the truth and not steal. I mean, the basics that you would expect. And he wanted me to be a good person, a good boy, uh, and a virtuous young son. And, and, I, and to that extent, he, I was. I met his expectation, expectations there. I didn't get in trouble with any girls or anything like that. And I stayed worthy, and I went on a mission. Thank you for listening to the first segment of the updated episode, A Conversation with Carl Watkins and a Discussion About Sounds of Sunday.